Oh, baby. We have a huge show for you today. <laughs> a superstar joins us. It's an honest, inspiring, and hilarious conversation. J.J. Mm -hmm. Watt is a superhuman. He is a superhero. He is a superstar. And he sat down and had a nice 25-minute conversation where he talked about everything. Growing up, college, life in the NFL, being a businessman, his personal life, you name it, you're going to enjoy the hell out of today. Hello, it is Thursday, May 23rd, and I am so thankful you chose to allow me and my friends and Mr. Watt to penetrate your ears today. If you're going to penetrate an arena, a stadium, a theater, anything that hosts a live event, there's only one app you need to use to get your tickets, and that's SeatGeek. SeatGeek scans all the other ticket-buying platforms and make sure you're getting the best ticket at the best available price. People have been saying it's the best ticket-buying app not only on planet Earth, but also on the moon. That is true. The moon's a little far away. Mm -hmm. If it was made string cheese, <laughs> SeatGeek literally... <laughs> has tickets to everything. If it's a live event, they got your ticket, and it's at the best available price. They even let you know what you're working with. You put your budget in there, they'll get you the best ticket that you can afford. And you're not going to get catfished. The ticket you think you're buying, you are buying. And right now, if you use promo code PAT, you get $10 off your first order. Use the promo code MAC if you get $20 off your first order. Wow. Mm -hmm. A little self-awareness here. If we got a little bit more money in the bank, go ahead and use PAT. Only get $10 off. And if we're not rich yet, go ahead and use MAC if you get $20 off your first order. Shout out to SeatGeek for being with us all along. Because days like this are the days that it pays off for sponsoring our show. <laughs> <laughs> and also, most guys have tried different ways to last longer, but thinking about baseball doesn't always work. The folks at Roman, an online men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer-lasting sex. Saying the Pledge of Allegiance in your head? That ain't going to help. Uh -uh. You know why? Because that Pledge of Allegiance is going to end. Mm-hmm. Counting backwards from 10, that ain't going to help. Because how many seconds is that? 10. 10. Oh, what do we do after that? Just start stacking up these little mental tricks and make sure your dick doesn't spew quick? <laughs> Come on. Z-Wax, man. You're like, what? That doesn't happen. Now it's over. Over. Unbelievable. That is an elite skill, by the way. It I think is. I missed a couple letters. Honestly. Well, I, I couldn't tell. Wouldn't notice. But if a cop was to ask me and I busted that out, I think it would be pretty live PD fucking eye-opening. <laughs> Roman swipes are a clinically proven way to last longer in the sack. They're effective, easy to use, fast-acting, and doctor-recommended, but don't require a prescription. Roman can ship the swipes to you in discreet, unmarked packaging, and each swipes packet is small enough to hide in your wallet for whenever you need it. Mm -hmm. When it's go time, it's swipe time. Swipes are great. They will not transfer to your partner, so you can last longer without worrying. They're super easy to use. Just take the swipes out of the packet, apply, let it dry, and you're good to go. That's it. Showtime. Go ahead and put on a show tonight. Be your best you. Get a little Roman swipes. Keep Roman swipes in your back pocket for longer, better sex, and get yours fast with free two-day shipping by visiting GetRoman.com slash USA. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N dot com forward slash USA. Get yours within two days, about a weekend. Let's go. Go mm -hmm. ahead and then get yours, uh, and let's get right into this conversation with Alpha Male J.J. Watt. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now, is a man who is a three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. That's nothing to sneeze at. That's nothing to sneeze at at all. He was a five-time All-Pro, a Walter Payton Man of the Year, two-time NFL sacks leader, 
and a hell of a philanthropist. Now he's an executive producer of a TV show, a host of a TV show. He's taking over the world while saving it. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin James, J.J. Watt. You are too kind. Thank you. Hey, no problem, man. Oh, that's true, though. That's an insane resume to think about. I was watching your Wisconsin commencement speech, which you did incredible, by the way. I assume you're... Thank you. I tried to... uh I was trying to just keep pace with you after what you did at the NFL draft. <laughs> well, I think you were much more motivating than I was, which is a <laughs> smart move. Were you nervous as hell for that? Uh, you know, I honestly wasn't. I was excited about it, and I would have been nervous if I had to write it down, and I would have been nervous if they made me read it off a prompter like initially they talked about. Um, but once they gave me the okay to just kind of talk and – do it off the top of my head, then I wasn't as nervous because I knew what I wanted to say, you know? You freestyled that? You look so calm and collected. I had no idea that was just off the top of the head. That's incredible. See, if you talk slow enough and you give yourself enough pauses, you can come up with anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's my entire... I was just winging it. I just wanted to make him laugh. I mean, the, it's I'm from Wisconsin, so like it's the easiest thing. It, it felt like I was at home. It felt like I was talking to a bunch of my family members and I mean, you talk about spotted cow, you talk about cheese curds, and you're automatically going to be off to a hot start. You know? Are you happy you went before Robert Smith? Because now I think if you're yeah. a rich person, you're expected to pay off college debt. <laughs> I mean, I came in and I was thinking like, I was like, all right, I'm not trying to blow the world away here. I'm not going to be on like any list of the top 10, but maybe for 2019, if I could make like the top five speeches of 2019. And then Robert Smith comes along and just wipes the whole map out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, there, there goes that. My, my 2019 commencement speech is getting zero YouTube hits from here out. Uh, you, you, really bad timing, too. He didn't even let you really sit on it for a week. It was like three days later. What a baller move. Are you kidding me, though? I mean, you can you imagine just being able to know that you're going to step up there? Like, whatever you're going to say before that, you could literally say nothing important for 10 minutes. And then, I'm going to pay for student loans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's insane. You said in that speech, I think the thing that I took away most from it is when you said that both positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement can be a motivator for you. And you thought back to the night you were drafted, partying with your friends, your high school coaches, your family. Everybody was so proud of you. And that night before you went to bed, you decided to check the Twitter. And the first thing you saw was a Houston Texan diehard fan at the Houston Texan draft party, booing obnoxiously directly into the camera out of anger of drafting this white kid from Wisconsin. Yeah. I took away from that, that you are a massive chip on the shoulder guy. If you say I can't do something, I'm going to do it. Am I right there? Absolutely. Yes. And what you've done since then is go on to become the most dominant football player on the field whenever you're on it. That has to feel good. And how often, whenever you're working out, because I hear you overwork out, by the way, I hear you work out too much. What are What does J.J. Watts say to himself while working out? Like, fuck that guy on draft night. Oh, there's a lot of people who think I'm nothing. Like, what is the self-motivation to J.J. Watts to continue getting better? Yeah, I think there's a lot of that where you find it from different sources. So obviously, immediately after that, I had that in my head. I wanted to prove those people wrong. I wanted to earn their respect. And then throughout your career, you find different things, whether it's somebody saying somebody else is better than you, or it's uh, somebody has more sacks than you, or it's it, there's always something to chase. But I think that over my career, that's probably one of the biggest things that I've learned is that, I mean, I used to read Twitter all the time. I used to read all the stories. I used to read all the articles and 
I let it mess with me early on because you get mad about it. I'm getting mad about somebody at ESPN who writes an article and says that I'm number two instead of number one. Or I'm getting mad because this person didn't vote for me for defensive player of the year. And I'm like, finally, I learned. I realized I was like, why do I care? Why do I care what this person has to say? And I think the injuries really helped me with that. Because when I was injured for two years in a row, you realize how quickly people forget about you. So why am I putting so much stock into what these people say when five years after my career, they're not going to care about me? So I, I learned to put my stock into my family, my friends, and my teammates. And really, that was the most important thing to me now. That's incredible to think of. That moment of freedom that you let yourself had had to be an impressive one. You're reading all these things from people that don't matter saying things about you. And then that moment of just being like, fuck them. That had to be a great, That honestly, that had to be an incredibly freeing feeling. It was huge. I mean, it was because I remember early in my injuries, uh, you know, after my first injury where I'm out for the season, you get people saying he's done. He's never going to come back. He's never going to play again. Even if he does, he's not going to be the same. That helped drove me down and I was like Jesus this am I can I and one of the biggest things that helped me was my girlfriend I mean she literally helped build my confidence back up saying screw all that don't listen to them just go day by day and so when I'd have a tough day and a down day before I had somebody around every day to help pick me up it was just me my thoughts and then social media and so that was another really helpful thing to have her in the house every day to kind of be a balancing factor where I'm reading social media, how bad I am or how bad I'm going to be. And then she's just like, no, you're not. You're going to be good. And I was like, oh, all right, maybe I will be. <laughs> did you, did you, cause you were very private with your private life. Uh, and I don't know if it was a real thing or not, but people are saying you go to bed at like 9 PM, you do this, you don't go out. And then your personal life was kind of non-existent. And then I remember there was an awkward moment on a red carpet. We don't have to get into where you kind of got put in a bad spot, but then you started dating this professional soccer player named Q <laughs> named uh, who Kaylea. And it seems as if it's almost like you found a missing piece the way you act on social media. This is just me from an outsider standpoint. It seems like you found like a real uh, yin to your yen. And it, it seems like it's a really beautiful operation right now. I appreciate it. She's great. You know, I mean, you're going through earlier in your career and you have, like I said, social media, you go to these events, you do all these things in the world wants to know so much about your personal life, but you're trying to figure it out yourself. So you don't want to you don't want to be out there posting and doing all these different things when you don't know exactly the direction you're going. So once I found Kay and we, I obviously knew that she was special, uh, then you feel comfortable with it. And then you don't feel like you have to be trying to live up to everybody's expectations or what they want. You're just, you're comfortable and happy with your life and you share it when you want to share it. You don't, when you don't want to. And I mean, that's the biggest thing. When I come home at the end of the day, if I can make her happy and she makes me happy, I mean, who cares what the world thinks, you know? I respect that so much. And if you make your dog's tail wag, I mean, that's all yeah. we're really looking to do. That's why I'm sitting in my driveway right now, because as soon as I open that garage door, my dogs are going to go bananas. <laughs> you want to talk about a way to not have kids for a long time? Get Just get a couple dogs. Oh, amen. Yeah. Hey, man, I'm on your team there. Uh, let's go back to the chip on the shoulder. Is that why you left Central Michigan and went to Wisconsin? Because you thought you were destined for something bigger than uh, Central Michigan? Or is it strictly because you wanted to go back home to Wisconsin? No, I wanted more. Uh, I mean, I was at Central Michigan. I started at tight end there. Uh, but they ran the spread. And they had, uh, I, I mean, I think I played like 15 plays a game, maybe 20. 
and there was writing on the wall that they wanted to move me to offensive tackle. Um, so I said, if I'm going to do all this, I'm going to put in all this work. I mean, you know how hard it is off-season workouts in college and all those workouts you do in classes. I said, if I'm going to put in all this work, I'm going to take the biggest shot I can take. I'm going to do it all. I'm, I'm either going to go big or I'm going to fail. And thankfully for my parents, I mean, I told them when I was leaving high school, don't worry, I got college paid for. And we're a middle-class family. I mean, so it's not like we were rich and they had money in case I – no, they started planning for my brother's colleges because they thought mine was paid for. So for them to be able to tell me, okay, we can pay for one year at Wisconsin and allow me to gamble on myself, uh, that was one of the biggest things in the – also a motivating factor for me. I wasn't only gambling on myself, but I was also proving to my parents that their investment was worth it. Oh my God. That's awesome. Butch Jones. He was at West Virginia before he got up there at Central Michigan. What a wild fucking animal that guy is. Wild. You don't have to say anything. I will. Wild, <laughs> wild, wild, wild animal. You get drafted to Houston, a guy boos, and then you just go on to be an absolute game wrecker on all four downs. Why did you choose to play special teams and fuck up everybody's life for a long time? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about it. I mean, you're the most, you're, you're one of the most fun players I've ever played against. Oh, that means, uh, I'm, hold on. We're going to clip that for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, first of all, I mean, if we really want to get deep into things, I'm, I'm still upset that you didn't get the Monday Night Football gig. I mean, oh, we're going to clip that too. Thank you, JJ. Just keep them coming. I, I just, just to see the pure brilliance that you would come up with on a weekly basis and to see, uh, I mean, it would have been the most, the most clip worthy program of all time so oh, man. JJ. i'm on your side in that one hey you got a big brain i can already tell i respect that a lot <laughs> i like that a lot your biceps. <laughs> <laughs> for those that aren't watching on youtube i went and literally got a huge pump in right beforehand because i wanted jj to be impressed with my sleeveless hoodie i got a one day sleeveless shirt thing or is this a daily it's a it's my life really i get kicked out of a lot of places because of it love it man a little sleeveless shirt and jorts nothing beats it what's oh, funny you say that i mean that's that's literally my <laughs> uh Those suckers are riding high too brother well you, when you got quads you know you gotta let the world eat let the world know you got them how often do you punt now sorry i, I, I just turned the interview on you how often do you still punt <laughs> no i'm punting everyone's i'm leaving the options on the table you know when i didn't get that monday night football gig i didn't wasn't certain if i was going to get a big enough media job to keep going because i need a big goal right so i need like uh hey i got this big thing happening now granted these podcasts massive we run a business our business is good but i need something large like in the background that at night when i lay down like okay i also got to do this i got to focus on this and when i didn't get the monday night football gig i was like you know there's a lot of money being tossed around to people that kick balls and there's a lot of shitty balls kickers out there right now so i went out on a high school field a few times i'm still kicking like once a week twice a week i feel good good man that's awesome that's one thing i've learned is that like you look at investment opportunities you look at business opportunities you look at movies tv everything we make a lot of money to chase a ball around it's pretty damn cool yeah it's really you make i mean I mean, you're, you're FaceTiming us from your house right now. There is a Area 51 gate right behind you. Fucking, <laughs> <laughs> there is. But speaking of a lot of money, whenever the city of Houston needed somebody to really step up big time, you did that. And I was just reading through some stats that you tweeted out. After the hurricane, after the flood and everything that happened to Houston, it was terrible. It was a national. I mean, it was an emergency down there. J.J. Watt, as you heard, started a GoFundMe, basically, that took off. $41.6 million was the final total. He's currently, since then, it's been one year, basically. 600 homes have either been rebuilt or are being rebuilding right now. 
420 child care centers in the city of Houston, 16,000 children being served, 26 million meals have been served, and 6,500 mental and physical health exams have happened just because of a GoFundMe that this meathead from Wisconsin started and saved a city. Did you feel as if, like, hey, I don't really know, nobody knows how to act in that situation, but I assume you just said, let's just take one small step here, raise what we can raise, I'll donate a million, I'll match, and then once it gets going, is there a moment where you're like, oh shit, like, we really have a real cool opportunity here. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the initial goal was 200 grand and I, I knew what I was going to do with that. I was like, all right, I'm going to buy food. I'm going to buy water. I'm going to buy toilet paper, diapers. I'm going to buy the stuff that people need. And I'm going to go distribute it in communities. And then as you saw, I mean, it, it literally took on a life of its own. I mean, the very first night that it happened, it started to get up to 500 grand. The website kept crashing. We literally had a private detective get the phone number of the creator of youcaring.com, called him at his home house and had to get him out of his bed. And he went and figured out how to get the website back up and running. And then, <laughs> it was insane. I mean, this guy literally had no clue what was going on because I Good morning. Yeah. And then it just, Hey guy, we're raising a couple million here and we need you to pop out of bed and figure it out. <laughs> and then it just blew up and obviously celebrities and people from all over the country and all over the world. And then you have to figure out the logistics of, okay, we're accepting donations from all 50 States and different countries. Now my 501 C three has to file paperwork to allow for that. And just the logistics of it all was insane. And Oh, by the way, it's also the end of training camp and we have to figure it out because the season starts in like 10 days. So, I mean, it was, it was insane. I have an unbelievable group of people who helped me out and a ton of great organizations who we've distributed the money to and have, have helped us. So I've had a ton of great people help me out and I never, ever want to take credit for it as a one man operation because it was so many great people. The city of Houston, whenever we would play down there, your picture was on every other page of the program. I mean, it was your picture was up on the jumbotron. Every single they played that turn down for what thing, and the entire place went nut for you. You literally, from that guy booing to a couple years of dominance later, became the face of Houston, basically. And then whenever you did all that, are you going to get into politics? Are you going to be the fucking governor of Texas, or are you going to run for president one day? What are we going to do? I gotta, I gotta get some more sacks first. I Play. I've tried to think about what I'm going to do after my career, man. But every time I try and think about it, it's just there's too many. Like you, you could go movies, you could go TV, you could go politics, you could go anywhere you want. And there's just too much to think about. And I, I have, I truly feel like I have a lot more football left in me, and I'm excited about that. So I'm focused on that at the moment. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. And it's it's a hard game to give up man i just i love the daily work of like you said trying to get better at something and still trying to prove that even now after two years of injuries i still have a lot of you got 16 sacks last year nobody's talking about you at all I, I, like whenever i was going through the stats of last year and i read that you had 16 stats last or sacks last year i was like damn i didn't know i had no idea nobody's even talking about the jj what nobody's even talking about the houston texans making the playoffs and with a quarterback that seems to be legit for the first time nobody's really talking about the houston texans that's got to feel pretty good going into training camp that you guys are kind of a, a underrated weapon right now yeah, you know, I mean, the, the thing that people immediately talk to me about in my interviews are either off the field things, obviously, or the two years of injuries. And I've been trying to kind of put the two years of injuries behind me because, like you said, last year I was fortunate enough to get back to 
playing good football. And so I think it, I think it's going to take at least one more year of playing at that level before people forget about what happened with the injuries and stuff and remember what I can do on the field. And then we do have a good team. We have a very good team. We have a lot of good guys. We have good chemistry. Um, obviously, we ran into a good Colts team in the in the playoffs. But I think that it's it's a matter of making it and doing it on the field rather than talking about what we're going to be able to do or where we want to go. And, you know, this city of Houston hasn't really had anything since – I mean, when I first got here, we won our first playoff game ever. We went to the playoffs for the first time ever, and we won our first playoff game. So we're trying to take that next step and be able to do big things. And it's just you can't do it by talking. You have to work and do it. I say all the time that my favorite place to play was down there in Houston at the um, whatever you guys call it now stadium. It was a that place. Yeah, uh, you dribbled an onside kick ten yards and recovered it yourself. <laughs> hey, pretty awesome, huh? When you watch it, it was pretty cool. God, that, nothing pissed me off more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just sitting there on the bench. I'm like, all right, we got a kickoff coming here. I got plenty of time. Just sipping Gatorade, watching the big screen. <laughs> Not even really paying that much attention. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, well, what the hell was that? <laughs> and then fucking number one, just walking out of the pile with the ball. Hey, man. They showed the replay in there, I hope. And I hope you saw it. And you were like, yeah, you know what? I don't think I've ever seen that in an NFL game. I don't think that's a pretty crazy thing. I was so mad because I was like, there's no way we actually just allowed that to happen. <laughs> and I was like, we had to have a guy in the middle, right? I mean, did he at least knock somebody over to get the ball? And I'm looking, I'm like, no, no, we didn't. <laughs> just waltzed out there. I mean, it wasn't even like you were running that hard. I know. Yeah. I mean, and then uh, we, that was a wild game. I mean, I don't know if that was, that was the loudest I've ever heard our stadium. That game. It was awesome. It was piercing. It was like actually piercing. And anytime I get asked like your favorite place to play, I did get to play at Seattle, but everybody's like your favorite place to play. I always say Houston, man. It was always like a primetime game. It always felt like it was like a Super Bowl, like a playoff game. And the crowd was into it. They were loud and they were into it. That doesn't happen everywhere. I'll be excited yeah. to watch if you guys could continue to win what that place is going to do. It's going to be incredible. I agree, man. You know, when you start winning, the place gets nuts. They love football down here. I mean, we have the Rockets who are doing great. We have the Astros who have obviously been unbelievable. Um, we have the soccer teams. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Texas is a football state. And so when you, get, when you string some wins together, it's it's a blast, man. Hey, is this ultimate tag show going to suck or, or what? Is it pretty good? I mean, okay, for those that don't know, uh, a J.J. Watt production has happened with his brothers, Derek and TJ, who are also in the NFL. Congrats to the Watt family, by the way, by the way, hitting the fucking hitting a triple for NFL kids. That's pretty incredible. Uh, but you got into this, into this, uh, game show type world. You executive produced the game, the show you hosted the show. It's coming in early 2020. It seems like an incredible concept. Were you, uh, amazed by how hard it was? Did you enjoy the process? Is it going to be good? All that stuff. So, my brothers and I host the show, and whenever you put all three of us into a room, it's a bit of a cluster as it is. Uh, I've obviously done a little TV. Both of my brothers really haven't done anything. So when I came on board, I said, I want my brothers to host with me. And you could tell Fox was a little bit like they've never hosted before. We don't know what they can do. And I said, you know, just trust me. We'll figure it out. And we got to the first day of rehearsal before we started filming. And every Fox executive was kind of looking around like, Oh, we're fucked. 
I mean, we had one that was like nervous and stuttering on his lines. We had another one who couldn't read the teleprompter. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and then literally the lights came on, on the when it was time for it to really happen. And the show started and it was like brand new people. I think it's just that athlete in you where yep. you don't really like the rehearsal. You don't do it. But once the show starts and once the lights come on, they were awesome. And it was so much fun to watch them grow and get better and for all of us to interact and mess around. And then the show itself is way better than I thought it was going to be. So I was really excited about it because tag is a game we've all played and we take it to these crazy levels. We have one that's a steel cage 30 feet up in the air. You don't have any harnesses or anything. So if you fall, you fall right onto a mat 30 feet down. We have another one that you're like jumping off of trampolines and stuff. So I was excited about it. But then when I saw it in person, I saw how unbelievable these athletes are and i mean it's physical people are smashing their faces into stuff people are getting injuries there's it's like a sport it's not really a game show and so it was a ton of fun we have uh i think it's 12 professional taggers so there's like a little of that american gladiators feel to it where you're going to see the same taggers every week and there's some of the best athletes i've ever seen i mean i'm in the nfl and i see obviously a lot of athletes all the time there's a couple athletes on ultimate tag that are the best athletes i've ever seen so what are you going to do? You just got to stay away for like two minutes and you win? Stay away from the professional taggers? So there are four different rounds. And so it starts out with three men and three women, obviously different categories. And then after two games, there are an elimination. So then there's two left. And so basically each game is different. So the first game is literally just stay alive as long as you can. If you stay alive longer than the other people, you get extra points. And then the second game is kind of like uh, – kind of like a capture the flag where the more flags you capture, the more points you get. And then you get eliminated if you didn't have the same, uh, the most points. And then you go to the next one and it could be the dome way up high or it's a, or it could be this one down on the ground. And then you get to the finale and however many points you had, you get uh, a head start on your competitor. And it's cool, man. It's, I, we wanted to try it. And then we saw it and we were like, there's no way. <laughs> how competitive we are. It's way too dangerous and we would get caught so easily. I hope it does incredible. And I feel like with everything else that you do, I don't know your brothers as well, but with everything else that you do, you seem to literally hit home runs. And it's uh, you're an incredible specimen, brother. You're like a superhero of a human. It's a really impressive thing and a cool thing to think about you just being this working class guy from Wisconsin out there changing the world and helping the world out along the way. It's cool shit. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I have to say one thing for you. Yeah. Obviously, all the incredible we things like that, that you've done. When I, I got a text message yesterday from a buddy of mine who lives in Ireland. He lives in Dublin. And he texted me and he said, hey, I heard you're going to be on the Pat McAfee show this week. And I said, yeah, how'd you know? He goes, dude, I listen to it all the time. Be sure to tell him he's got a massive following in Ireland. Slancha, so- boys. Slancha. Doing an on-site over in Dublin Temple Bar, you know? Hey, not a bad idea. I-, I think we should definitely do that. Maybe you get into the agent game, too. Start booking me places. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> we'll get you on Ultimate Tag next week. We'll be our announcers. Monday Night Football. You come over, you be our announcer. I'm not athletic enough, but I'd love to. Uh, all right, JJ. Uh I just want to say thank you so much for doing this, man. You're a massive star, so you coming on this little podcast, I really appreciate Hey, I appreciate it. You make people laugh. People love watching you. You have a lot of positivity. I love all the uh, social media and everything that you do, man. You've been a ton, a fun competitor for me to go against over the years, and you've been a fun follower for me on social media and all the work that you do. So keep spreading laughs, keep spreading cheer, and uh, we need more of that in the world, brother. Hey. 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 Yes. That made me feel good. <laughs> made me feel really good. You don't need me to make you feel good when you got biceps like that. Yay. 
I was looking at your Instagram. You got quads on your arms, bro. I saw you flexing. Yeah, Lecker coming on soon. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have him. So there's like a, a point in time. We're going to have goat week where I'm going to have Leckler, Vinatieri. I think I'm going to try to get Janikowski. It's going to be called Goat Week, and I'm excited for it. Leckler, I think, is coming to Indy for it. I think I got him to uh, talk him into it when he was on some beer. Yes, so when you have that, I want to like send in a video question or something because I want to pepper that old man with it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's the greatest, man. He is literally the greatest human and punter of all time. I love that man. He is the best, man. He is a walking, drinking, fishing machine. And he can punt the shit out of a football. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, soon to be four-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Probably another Walter Payton Man of the Year award on the way as well. Definitely a six-time All-Pro after next year. Uh, Mr. Justin James. Turn down for what? Justin. Nope. JJ Watt. Thank you, brother. Hey, good luck with all. Good luck with ultimate tag, dude. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. y'all. Have a wonderful day. Send me the info when you um when you guys are yeah. going live. I will do that. All right. Good luck, dude. Have a good one, man. Thanks. He was incredible. There's really no other words to say it. No, nope. there's not. It's very hard to not like him after listening to that interview. There were some people that tweeted me yesterday, like, I wonder if I'll get over his uh, douche canoeness with his interview. Honestly, he's a megastar. And that conversation he just had with us was so... Re- it was like he's just one of the boys. Yep. You'll get over it. Yeah, you'll get over it. You're, I'm a big J.J. Watt I think fan. he is misinterpreted, too. I think you know, so, too. You get, you get that big. It's just... You, you have to be how he was his first couple years in the league, you know? The and only thing I didn't get to ask him about is he talks a lot of shit on the field. Yeah. Like, a lot of shit. He's this humble, hardworking guy off the field. He gets really? on the field. Those mic'd up sessions, he's talking a lot of shit. I want to ask him about what makes him flip the switch, but it's probably the chip on his shoulder, to be honest with yep. you. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan. I'm very thankful for JJ. If you could tweet him and thank him for coming on today's show, I would appreciate it a lot. Mm-hmm. Maybe send him a gift of, like, a thumbs up or, like, hey, you the man, or, like, hey, you should go back on the show sometime. That would be great because, honestly, that's a megastar right there. Yeah. JJ Watt is a megastar. Huge. Huge. Uh, and also a megastar in my life is the Bespoke Post Box of Awesome. Oh, yeah. With their Box of Awesome, Bespoke Post sends guys only the best stuff every single month. They test everything in the Box of Awesome themselves, from style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear. Every product gets put through the ringer before it gets put inside a monthly Box of Awesome and sent to you. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel any time. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. Wow. $25, you're already winning. You're already winning $25. Get 20% off, even more winning. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code HEARTLAND at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code HEARTLAND, for 20% off your first box. Bespoke Post is like signing up for Christmas every single month. A gift just shows up at your office or at your front door that you forget about, to be honest with you. And then when it shows up, it's like, holy shit, I had no idea I needed this awesome bar kit that I would have never bought for myself. Mm -hmm. This travel gear that I would have never, ever bought for myself. Bespoke Post is like, just relax. We got you. Bespoke Post, boxofawesome.com, code HEARTLAND for 20% off your first box. Big, big deal here. I'm not sure this has ever happened before. I'm not, earlier today, 
we got a chance to chat with a good friend of ours, Clayton Anderson. Oh, yep. We had an entire 35-minute conversation about the country music world. He's a country musician. He's been around for like 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. Just grinding the pavement. That entire conversation can be heard tomorrow on Heartland Radio 2.0. Yep. But what we're about to do is a first. A future number one song is about to be debuted right here on the Pat McAfee Show 2.0. It officially comes out tonight at midnight. A little sneak peek from our friend at Clayton Anderson, which I think, by the way, is a heater. I think you will, too. Tonight, I feel a rumble and a shake inside. An open road is no place to hide. There's no turning back when you put it in drive. Roll, roll, roll if you want it the most. Roll, roll, roll if you're ready to go. All these horses need to run. So let them run wild. Here without cause Every move is like we break the law You're gonna lose if you ain't quick with the draw Ain't no money left if you don't finish strong Try, 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 catch me if you can Bye, 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 I'm a wanted man All these horses need to run Catch me if you can Bye, 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 I'm a wanted man Try, 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 catch me if you can Bye, 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 I'm a wanted man All these horses need to run All these horses need to run So let them run wild Yeah, absolutely. Absolute banger. And wait till you hear the conversation with him tomorrow on Heartland Radio 2.0. Uh, me and Todd kind of put him in the fire a little bit oh, yeah. for, for not, you know, utilizing the internet for as much as he should. He's a talented guy. That song right there, going to be a hit. Mm -hmm. For sure. He's opening up for Zach Brown Band on Saturday here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, day before the Indy 500. I think, and this is just a thinking thing, I'm not uh, schooled in, in meteorology. But if you look at that radar, there's a chance a flood is coming. Looks bad. And uh, I think Clayton needs to build a fucking arc if he's looking yeah. to perform this weekend. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we debuted a segment last week. I enjoyed it. I'm not sure if you did, but we're back for more. Ty, please hit the intro segment music. I have a couple thoughts on my mind, not thoughts like a whore. I'll give some takes while Ty will keep score. I have some thoughts. Ty, you keep score. All right. Uh, again, we are going on the pass-fail grade here. Because mm -hmm. this is an Ivy League academia. Exactly. Ab absolutely. All right. First, uh, first thing on the docket we got here, 
marijuana policy in the NFL. There's been a lot of talk about that the last couple days. Pretty divisive topic. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I don't think it's that divisive, honestly. The only thing that it's divisive for is the older heads who happen to be in government and in control of a lot of situations. And let me tell you why. I've said this a couple times before, but I'm not sure it's getting echoed enough. First impressions go a very, very, very long way with people. Whether you meet somebody and they're an asshole to you the first time, you're going to think that person's an asshole for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. If you tried tequila for the first time and you puke the first time you tried tequila, guess what you're not going to do again? Probably drink tequila for the rest of your life. For me, when I was younger, I, I drank orange juice until I had one bad fit of diarrhea, and I will never drink orange juice again. That's the same thing that happened with marijuanas in these people that are currently in charge. Let me tell you why. The people that were smoking all the marijuana were the people that were anti-America, anti-military, anti-everything that the people who are currently in power right now believe in. So whenever they they saw hippies, they saw marijuana. And then vice versa, when they saw marijuana, they saw hippies. They didn't see the Chris Longs of the world who are helping everybody, becoming all pros, being Super Bowl champions. They're not seeing Michael Phelps, who's the greatest Olympian of all time smoking. They're not seeing somebody who runs a small business in Indianapolis <laughs> who retired from the NFL to do things. They don't see that. What they see is the people who kind of were bringing society down. And that first impression is very, very hard for them to get over no matter how many doctors and scientists and researchers come out and say hey listen cannabis can help with this cannabis can help with this thc can do this cbd can do this all these stats are getting shoved in their face but all they think about is back whenever they were first introduced to it and somebody and something terrible was representing it i think as we move forward as a society obviously we're already seeing it in a lot of states making it legal the people who are the old heads in charge will either have a change of heart they'll be forced to do that or they'll move out and somebody else will move in who hasn't had such a terrible reaction with their first impression of marijuana. I do believe that the NFL would be doing their players a hell of a favor if they leaned on THC instead of pharmaceuticals, if they lend, um, leaned on something that was natural as opposed to man-made, that wasn't addictive physically, but what, like not pills. I think, honestly, the NFL is going to make the step, make the jump, and I'm excited to see them do it. I think we're, gonna uh, we're about to fall into an era where the NFL could potentially be looking out for its players a lot more than it has in the past, and I'm all the way here for it. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, if I want to kick balls again, the real hurdle and real obstacle <laughs> is passing a drug test. <laughs> and I would love it if I didn't have to do that. Obviously, it's tough to like estimate this, but what, what's the time frame, you think, in terms of... For the NFL? Yeah. They move at a pretty rapid rate. If things get into conversation, normally a change is coming. That extra point conversation happened, and then the next year it was like, okay, we're going to a 33-yard extra point. Like those types of things, re replay, okay, we're doing this. Yep. We're going to this. Every If it gets into the conversation at those owners' meetings, at those rules committee, usually it can get going a bit. But if it's still stuck on like the outside, like a bubble, like not a real talking point at this point, then it's just going to be stuck there forever. It's kind of like a purgatory. But but once it really gets mentioned, which I think it is happening right now, because you got every news outlet doing it, and Chris Long taking a stand saying it's helped him is massive because mm -hmm. he's such a impactful, not only player, but family in the NFL, For his sure. dad and brother. Yep. I think this is something that could get expedited pretty quickly. I mean, that, yeah. A thousand percent pass. Oh, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I mean, no question. Good for me, man. All right. Well, listen, we got a chance. To the segment was fun, by the way. You want to play it? Close out the yeah, segment? Yeah, sure. Let's close it out. Yeah, let's close it out. 
big segment show oh yeah <laughs> this is your first time listening i love doing the segments if you guys haven't heard about roan you're really missing out roan is a men's performance lifestyle and premium activewear brand that is engineered for unparalleled quality and comfort they are an absolute necessity for guys on the go mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you're training in the gym or jumping on international flights they are your new go-to men's clothing brand my favorite is the shirt. It just feels damn good. And the premium shorts are very itches. It looks good. It feels good. And if it feels good, you play good. Yep. And if you play good, they pay good. Mm -hmm. They pay good. You live good. You live good. You die good. And that's really all we're trying to do here with our friends from Roan. Roan makes something for the modern man regardless of the occasion. In addition to an awesome selection of premium shorts, shirts, tank tops, socks, swimwear, basically everything that scratches me where I itch, Roan engineers... Clothing perfect for the office, long flights, and commutes. We travel a lot, and we always travel with our tag team partner, Roan. Roan's commuter collection is the performance alternative to the everyday work gear, offering everything from pants, polos, shorts, and shirts that are all lightweight, comfortable, and wrinkle-free. The commuter collection is good for all weather, anytime from a weekday in a workplace to a weekend barbecue. Go to rhone.com slash America today and use promo code America to get 20% off your first purchase. That's rhone.com slash America, promo code America for 20% off. Roan.com slash America, promo code America, and get yourself feeling good and looking great. Speaking of looking great, there's a man that really blew up the internet the other day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely blew up the internet. I, I, I might have helped. I might have helped. say that. His future, we don't know if it looks good, looks great, or <laughs> looks absolutely catastrophic. Uh, he, he joined us for a little Q&A after my reading from myself. Yesterday, I retweeted something. Um, that could potentially have a guy killed. Mm -hmm. yeah. the, the power of Twitter and social media, you know what it does? It makes the world a much smaller place. When I saw this thing, it had about 98 retweets. I read through it and I said, oh my God, this Twitter thread is one of those Twitter threads? That's a page turner. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tweet stroller. Oh yeah. So it is scroller, I guess. Yeah. Huh? Well, and stroll. stroll. Yeah, both. You oh yeah, quite you a stroll. stroll. You stroll right through it. Take a walk. And we got a chance to have this guy join us. But I would like to read the Twitter thread to the listeners so they know what I'm referring to when we talk about this random man named Shane Morris, who literally became a celebrity overnight. Ty Schmidt, this is going to be a little bit. There's a lot of tweets here. Get comfy. But it's a pretty good story. And then the Q&A after, you're going to want to hear. Ty Schmidt, please, my Twitter thread reading music, please. Y'all want to hear a story? Yeah. Yes, please. About the time I accidentally transported a brick of heroin from L.A. to Seattle. Wow. Tell me more. All right. Let's do this. Tweet one. <laughs> I was living in Newport Beach, California. Kind of just trying to figure life out a little bit. My good buddy Tyler calls me up out of the clear blue and says, Hey, dude, you want to do the most epic road trip ever? I'm like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, Tyler was a boat mechanic down there in South Florida. So I flew from Newport down to Miami and I ended up staying with 
one of his co-workers for a few days. Just buy some time until I can buy a Honda Shadow 750 for like 2700 or so. Hmm. Oh, nice. Parenthesis, he already had one, my friend Tyler. This is what we we're planning to do the road trip on. And I got a matching bike so we could share spare parts, you know, on the road. Makes sense. The road trip. Smart. From Miami, we set off across the United States. The great United States. Staying at the kind of motels along the way you only see on movies like No Country for Old Men. Great film. Seen it. Great Excellent movie. film. <laughs> That's a fucking air gun that guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. You remember those motels? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Javier brought them. What? That was where these Shane and Tyler were staying across the United States. I'm going to flip the coin. Flip it. <laughs> if you're gonna ride across the United States, Shane says, on a motorcycle, do it on two lane roads. It's worth it. More scenic. We end up swinging down through Mexico. And this isn't really important to the story, but we pulled over to rest in the middle of the desert and these wild horses walked up to us and were actually like <laughs> oddly friendly. Uh-huh. <laughs> they let us pet them. It was super cool. One point I said, I got the horses in the bag. <laughs> anyway, after like 10 days in the desert with the horses in Mexico, we made it back into Southern California. My friend Tyler had an uncle in Temecula, and my ex was in Newport Beach, so we both rested for a few days. Riding a motorcycle across the country takes a toll on your body, so we decided to switch it up. Call in the lefty. Make a change for our grundle in our bodies. Also smart. We've been from South Beach to Mexico. Now we're in Temecula and Newport, Mm -hmm. and it's time to make a change. We decided to sell our bikes and buy a 1979 Dodge Ram van. Okay. I want to say we paid like 600 each for it, 1200 all in. Something like that. It needed a little work, but the important part was it was all easy stuff. We named the van Cassandra and wrote our names right there on the door. Obviously. A couple mm-hmm. pictures to prove he wasn't lying. The plan was easy. We'll drive up the Pacific Coast Highway and camp all along the way. We took the middle seats out of the van so we could sleep in it at night in case it was raining. Then we went to REI to get hammocks for hammock camping. As one does. They were going to complete this road trip from southern Miami, the southest east point, to the northest west point. It checks checks out. On our way up the Pacific Coast Highway, we stopped in Santa Barbara and picked up my sister, Shane's sister. At the time, she was in school at UCSB. University of California, Santa Barbara. Oh, mm-hmm. great school. And she was planning on flying home to the Bay Area to see her dad. So I was like, just come camping on the beach with us instead. Hyphy. Great idea. So she did. I take that plane. Don't take that plane. We got a Dodge Ram van. Just drive that motherfucker with us. Cassandra. Cassie. Cassandra's the van. Mm-hmm. Cassie. Camping. Sister goes to UC Santa Barbara. Chose to do that. Another picture of him and his sister right there on the beach. Driving north. Tyler, Shane, and his sister. They made it to some pretty cool spots like the Bixby Canyon Bridge. All along the way, we're letting anyone who meets us write their name on the van and take a picture with it. It was fucking awesome. (laughs) Sounds pretty cool. There was three dots in between was and then two spaces. Uh Fucking awesome. Dramatic pause obviously written into the thread. Mm -hmm. I'd write on that van. Well done. It's good writing. Me too. I'd sign a van. 
pretty fucking awesome. Hey, I'd sign Cassandra right there on her tits. Mm. <laughs> Around Big Sur, our van had its first problem. Cassandra. Oh. This lady we're referring to. Cassie. The rear drum brakes were making awful noises and locked up. I ended up buying a set of craftsman tools, and then I did a brake job right there in the parking lot of a Walmart. Oh, handy. Walmart. Handy guy. Used to be Sears. Used to be. Not Used anymore. Be. Rest in peace. What? To Sears. While I was there, I was like, I'm going to do a few other things as well if I'm already under a hood. Why not? When I got the van, I changed the oil, and uh-huh. that's it. Oh. Oh. Parentheses. I know I should have done more of a tune-up, but honestly, the van was running pretty fine. The interior was even pretty nice. Roll, man. On these old Dodge vans, the engine access is inside the car, in between the driver and the passenger. So Shane and Tyler, or Shane and his sister, right in between them there. I hadn't even lifted it up when I bought it. I'm an idiot. I know. So I decided to change the spark plugs, the fuel filter, and the air filter. I am so, capital letters, glad that I did. little tune-up. I hope. Gearheads. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the gearheads. Mm-hmm. I opened up the engine cover and sitting right on top of the engine was like grass, straw, and little bits of carpet. A mouse had made a home right there on top of the engine block. Oh, it's like the pub. I'm lucky it hadn't started a fire, so I cleared everything out and changed the plugs and filter. I remember yelling at Tyler because he's the one who poured the oil in. Yeah. And I was like, how the fuck? Did you not notice there was a fucking rat's nest on top of the fucking engine block when you were pouring the fucking oil? And he was like, it's an old car. I was like, LOL. (laughs) WTF, bro. (laughs) So anyways, we drive up into Oakland and meet up with my friends there. We stayed at their house overnight, smoked marijuana. There you go. Ate a meal and chilled out a little bit. That's dope. Then we set off for Mount Shasta and... Lake Shasta. Oh. Parentheses, it's a really beautiful lake. Lake trip. We camp over there at Mount Shasta. It's beautiful. The lake was really low, but the water felt great. Mm. Parentheses, not really critical to the story, but go if you ever get a chance. Oh, cool. So Thank chastised. you. Nice. Well, that's nice of you. Finally, we get all the way up down to Oregon, into the Cascades, <laughs> and then head into Washington. The whole time we're hiking, camping, Spending time with Mother Nature. She's the best. Teresa. Sometimes. Yeah. It's really just one of the coolest experiences of my life. Parentheses. Not sure what the summit was, by the way, in the photo below. Tim standing on top of a mountain. To live life like that. Right up there at the peak, the to climax. Not, just not even know the summit. Don't even know what the summit not was. Care in the world. So here's the thing about old cars, by the way. Especially ones with carburetors. Yeah. You need to adjust them for altitude. Uh, I never would have thought of that. An ideal fuel ratio at sea level is called stoichiometric. Stoichio. Mm. Nailed it. It's Russian. Stoichiometric. Which means 14.7 parts air to one part fuel. Mm. Everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. Classic conversion. As you gain altitude, you need to lean out your carb jets. Mount Jefferson is something like 10,000 feet. So as we're driving up, probably around six, 7,000 feet, the van starts running way too rich. Oh, too much intake. It was obvious. So I was like, Tyler, pull over, bro. I'm I'm going to lean out these jets. <laughs> lean them out. Typical gearhead stuff. It was gearhead 101. On a single barrel carb, you're only dealing with a few screws and springs. And basically, 
you just kind of guess at it. <laughs> so I'm just listening to the engine, and then I would reach over and tap the gas pedal to see how it sounded. How she sounded? Vroom, vroom. How she sounded? Vroom, vroom. It's a little rich. <laughs> so Tyler steps out of the van, and I'm hunched over the engine, just twisting on the screws, and I hit the gas, and Tyler is like, holy shit! At first, I'm like, oh, my God, something is on fire. <laughs> so I pop up and look around. I'm like, what? Tyler's like, what the fuck is that? I look down at the carb and I'm like, I don't know. What part are you looking at? Does something look broken? He's like, no, dude, look on the cover. I look to my left on the underside of the engine cover and there's what appears to be a brick of aluminum foil. The hell? And it's taped up with aluminum tape, the clamshell cover. Oh. Immediately, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> what the fuck? So I stop what I'm doing. I turn the engine off and start, start slowly prying this aluminum brick off the underside of the clamshell. Tyler's freaking out. He doesn't do drugs, by the way, Tyler. Classic Tyler. Classic. Sober. So I stop what I'm doing. I turn the engine off and start slowly prying this aluminum brick off the underside of the clamshell. Tyler's freaking out. He doesn't do drugs. He's a clean guy. Classic mm -hmm. Tyler. He's like, oh, my God, it's like on cops when they find drugs hidden in the car. Bad boys, bad boys. What you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. What you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? Todd just got hard. <laughs> I get the brick untaped and then undo like seven layers of foil. They use a lot of foil on this thing. What I found was a white, perfectly shrink-wrapped brick. I thought it was Coke for a minute. So I cut open a bit of the corner, like in the movies, mm -hmm. put some on my finger, and rubbed it on my gums. Great idea. Little Simple little gummy option. Little gummies. Mm -hmm. If you've ever done coke, by the way, you know it's kind of hot. And then it makes your gums numb. Been there. <laughs> Chopper popper. This definitely wasn't coke, says Shane. Mm, powdered sugar. And I'm not the type of dude who does heroin. Oh. Oh. Parentheses, just don't do heroin. Kinda, Seriously. Kinda it's, judge thank you, you for that. It's yeah. no good. Yeah. Judge Agreed. Those are the type of people you should judge, by the way. No judges. <laughs> no, no, real judges. <laughs> you take heroin, you will be judged. I always thought heroin looks like brown sugar. Is that what you thought? Yeah. No, it's white. It's perfectly shrink wrapped. He said it right here two threads ago. Two Ch threads. China white. So, Tyler and I are standing next to each other when I hear tires on the gravel behind us. Let me paint you a picture. We're standing there with the hood up, clamshell open, side by side with a brick of pure heroin. Ooh. Who do you think rolled up? Who? A goddamn park ranger rolls up behind us. Uh, just Howdy a park ranger. Just so you know, park rangers are the police. They have guns and they just happen to work in a park. Oh, yeah. They can arrest you and everything. Still the popo. I'm holding a brick of heroin in my hands and there's a park ranger 30 feet behind me. So I reach down and pretend to dive into my tool kit. Thankfully, my hands are greasy as hell. Can I pick up some tools? And I can pick up some tools. So I slide this brick of heroin under the seat. I pop around with and pretend I'm putting a socket on a breaker bar. And I'm like, oh, hey there. How can I help you? The guy's like, you guys having some trouble? I'm like, I'm just trying to jet the carbs. He's like, oh, I remember doing that when I was your age. Nice little conversation with him. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Good guy. Nice guy. And he's like, you ever done that before? I'm like, I'm kind of just learning as I go here. We're from California. Dude laughs and he's like, here, I'll show you. Oh. So the ranger walks over and he's like, I remember these old Ram vans. So much room. Hmm. What's he implying there? Sex. Activities. Yeah. 
This van's a rockin'. Don't come, come a knocking. Especially in the woods. We open up the clamshell and the guy's knee is like two inches from this brick of heroin that Good I just Lord. put under the seat. Man, I'm trying so hard to act normal, but Tyler, remember? Tyler, yeah, yeah. he's not playing it cool at all. Of course not. He's like, you know, I'm sure Shane can figure it out. We don't need you wasting your time on us, Mr. Park Ranger. Ranger's like, oh, no, no, it's a, it's no big deal. Most of the time, I'm just telling people to put their trash higher up so the bears can't get to it. Good advice, <laughs> actually. Yeah. So he's just chatting with us, and I'm telling him how we bought the van and drove all the way up the coast, etc., etc. Finally, we get the jet set, and the ranger's like, all right, you boys stay safe. Like, he had no clue he was probably two inches away from the biggest drug bust in the history of Oregon. True. 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 Once he drives off, Tyler's freaking out. Oh, my God. What are we going to do, man? What I'm like, and I'm like, uh, we're going to make a shit ton of money selling a brick of heroin. So I wrapped it up and just stuck it in the bottom of the cooler in the freezer bags underneath the ice. Then we drive up into Seattle, and I call one of my buddies who I know who sells a shit ton of weight. Mm. Good friend to have. Yeah. I'm like, yo. Star, 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 star. Name has been removed. Redacted. Oh, smart. Good word. We need to talk. I won't go into all the details, but I managed to sell it all to one person. It was lower risk. Plus, I'm not a drug dealer. For the record, my buddy Tyler wouldn't take any other money. Eventually, I convinced him to let me give him $600 for the van. Just take it. So I could say I bought the van myself. The van was originally in his name. Not anymore. But this story is not over yet. Oh, what? No, no. Nope. I end up selling the van to some hippies from Ashland and then moved to Atlanta, other side of the country. About a year goes by, and I'm not even thinking about this van anymore. Then I get a phone call from a number I do not know. Let that shit go to voicemail. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Don't answer that. Probably some sales. Probably. Mm. Telemarketers. I'm a sales guy. <laughs> <laughs> Robo call. The same number calls me again 30 seconds later, so I'm like, oh, I guess I'm going to answer it. Hello? The voice on the other line, hey, can I speak to Shane? I'm like, speaking. (laughs) You got him. You got him. Dude is like, hey, my dad gave me your number. He said he sold a van to you about a year ago. Oh. Immediately, I'm like, yeah, he sold me a van. The guy's like, wow, that's great news. I'm so glad I found you. So I don't like to talk about this, but uh, I was in jail. I had a substance abuse problem, and I ended up going to jail because I made some mistakes. I'm thinking, like, (laughs) what's the angle here, bub? So I'm like, oh, well, that sucks. Anyway, how can I help you? So the dude goes in this crazy-ass long story. He tells me about how he was so many memories in that van. Yeah, it was in his dad's name, but it was his first car. I know it's just a beat-up old van to you, but I'd really like to buy it back from you. Dad says you paid something like $1,200 for it. I think I'd be willing to go as high as, say, 1800 to get that thing back. Mm. Wow, nice. The memories are just worth that to me, the guy said. The light goes off in my head. Jail, substance abuse. He wants the van back. He's willing to pay 600 back over what I paid for. Street value bagged up if you slow sell it. There was something like $40,000 worth of heroin in that brick, by the way. Parentheses. I want wow. parentheses there. This dude wanted his brick back. The guy didn't go to jail because he had a substance abuse problem. No heroin junkie can afford $40,000 in heroin. The guy did time because he was a plug. So I decided it was time to make some money. Mm, brick squad. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> One for the plug. 
Now, we all know that I sold this van to hippies and I don't own it anymore, but I definitely know who I sold it to and I know I can buy it back. So I start spinning a story. I'm like, man, 1800s just won't do it. I put a lot of money in this van. And it's really running like a top now. It's my daily driver. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, dude, she's in great condition. I redid the carb, the brakes, all the fuel lines, put some tires on it, redid the carpet on the interior a lot. I probably put at least, uh, I don't know, 5000 into this thing. Damn. He's like, wow, you really did a lot. I'm like, yeah. So he's like, where are you located? I'm like, oh, I'm up in Ashland, Oregon. Reminder, I was in Atlanta at the time. He's like, oh, that's not too bad if it runs as well as you say. I might just drive up there with a friend and then drive it back down here. California, Oregon. So finally, he's like, I respect that you put a lot of work into it. Like I said, the van has a lot of sentimental value to me, and I'm glad to hear you took care of it. I think I could offer you $6,200 for that van. Nice. Wow. That's what you paid for, plus the $5,000 you say you invested. So I say, all right. You have a deal. As soon as we hung up, I called the people in Oregon that I sold the van to. Parentheses, I kind of sort of knew them through friends. And I was like, hey, do you still have that van? They're like, yeah, but it's not running no more. I'm like, oh. I was like, you care if I buy it back from you? The guy was like, dude, I'll sell it for $100 if you just get it out of my driveway. Bingo! I tell him, sold. (laughs) Nice. I booked a ticket to Portland the next day and then rented a car and drove to Ashland. Along the way, I called the old owner of the van's son. I'm like, hey, will you be free to drive up this week? And he's like, oh, yeah, totally. I can come up. It will only take me two days to drive up there. It was Tuesday. We agreed to meet on Sunday. I fly to Portland, rent a car, and then get to Ashland on Wednesday. I go to an auto parts store and I buy a battery jumper kit and some hand tools. I need to get the van running and I need to get the van running soon. I go to see the van and it's sitting there pretty dusty, but otherwise, not bad. Hmm. The only thing wrong with the van was a bad battery. The couple that I sold it to just didn't want to spend the money on the van because they had recently purchased Subaru Outback. Uh, Uh, Oregon. Fine machine. Go figure. It's Ashland, he actually said. So I changed the battery in an auto parts store parking lot. Then I took the van to one of those self-cleaning car wash places and gave it a good wash and a vacuum. Honestly, it cleaned up really nice. It cleaned up really nice. At this point, I decided to check in with the guy and kind of fuck with him a little bit in the process. Classic. The guy answers really fast, and he's like, Shane, buddy, what's up? I'm like, hey, I do want to mention one thing about this van. I was trying to be honest with the guy. And I hope this doesn't change your plans about coming up and buying this on Sunday. He goes silent and says, what's up? I was like, I don't want you to be mad, but um, after I bought the van, my friends and I, we, uh, we wrote on the outside of it with permanent marker. I can't get it off. I tried. And I hear him sigh like, hell aloud. Oh, that's fine. I can repaint it. I'm like, I want to be fair on the price because I didn't tell you that information. So how about I just knock $200 off? I just want to pay whatever is fair to get the marker off. He says, thanks for telling me. I'll accept that $200 discount, and I'll see you Sunday. I'm like, yep. (laughs) So next thing's next. I need to make a fake brick of heroin. So I head to a Goodwill and buy a medium-sized paperback book. It was the Pelican Brief. I thought that was a funny detail for some reason. Prince, good book. Also, good movie. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Grisham. (laughs) I never saw it. It's one of Denzel's better movies. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I this is Pat talking, not Shane. I didn't know that book even existed. <laughs> <laughs> then I got in my rental and took off to Medford because I couldn't find aluminum tape anywhere near Ashland. 
I got there, got my tape, and then bought some heavy-duty foil in a grocery store. From there, I drove back to Ashland. Making the fake brick was actually pretty easy. I just wrapped it up the same way I remember the brick being wrapped in and taped it down with aluminum tape the same way I remember it being taped. Kind of like a tic-tac-toe board. They had taped the shit out of it. And I just kind of waited. On Friday, I got a phone call from the dude letting me know he was on his road. And I said, hey, my mechanic says we can use his bay in case you want to inspect it. And the dude was like, oh, that won't be necessary. I'm like, oh, I insist. (laughs) On Saturday, I called a local mechanic and was like, hey, I'm selling my van to some people from out of state. And I was hoping I could give you $50 in case they want to use one of your bays to look under the car for a moment. Uh, Parenthesis car buying tip. This is from Shane talking. Any mechanic worth his salt will take you up on this offer. It's good for both the buyer and the seller to have a mechanic take a little look-see. He's not wrong. It's good advice. They know they'll be getting any work on any fix they identify. Oh. End of parenthesis. We meet at this local shop on a Sunday afternoon. The guy shows up in a late model silver Nissan Altima. He's heavily tattooed. And so is his friend. These guys look like real OG Mexican gangbangers. Like dude is wearing blue Nike Cortezes and Dickies. It's that look. <laughs> Immediately I realized These aren't the soft dudes I thought they were Nope, They're real gangsters They move real weight And I'm doing something incredibly stupid I'm about to rip off two guys Who look like they bury people neck deep And let coyotes eat your face off oh, <laughs> But I'm there And they're in front of me So I gotta go through with it So I give them a tour We walk around the van It's clean It has tire shine on it I've washed it And even waxed it It looks as good as a 1979 Dodge can look The guy's like So you've done some engine work? I'm like yeah Car plug Wires plugs Distributor etc He's like Can I take a look? So I help him lift the clamshell And there's no rat's nest anymore It's looking cleanish And it's sort of silent So I talk When I got in here There was a huge rat's nest I cleaned that out And Got to work on the carb, the plugs, wires, belts, horses, hoses. Not horses. (laughs) It's all new in there. Then dude reaches over and straight up taps the aluminum brick. I start sweating. He looks at me. I look at him. The first thing that came out of my mouth was, I didn't bother redoing any of the heat shielding on the clamshell. Honestly, I prefer having some heat coming off the block in the winter. But I can see why you did it. Southern California is hot. I was trying so hard to play dumb as hell, and I sold it. He says back to me, yeah, this tape costs about $20 a roll, but it's worth it to beat the heat. I laugh. Yeah, the AC just barely works. I think we got a leak in the system somewhere. (laughs) 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 Then he throws a curveball at me. Can I take it for a drive? I'm like, oh, totally. He's like, do you mind if my friend drives behind me in case it breaks down? I say, oh, you go right ahead. At this point, I'm thinking he's going to drive off never to be seen again. He's gone for about 20 minutes, and then he comes back. He's got a big smile on his face, and he's like, wow. It still drives great. Let's negotiate. So I'm like, well, you did say 6000 after the $200 uh, discount. He comes back to me. He's like, well, I got to ship this van back. I'm like, okay, well, what's a fair price? He says, you have the title here in your hand? I said, well, actually, I had to do a lost title, but I can mail it to you in like a week. The reality was, <laughs> I did, but hadn't done transfer from the old couple yet. Yeah. <laughs> Take some time. He's like, all right, you know, you seem like a good guy. You can mail it in a week. I'm like, yep. He says five thousand because it'll cost me a thousand to ship. You're a wild man for driving this old beast as far as you did. So we shake hands. It's a deal. I have a notepad with me, and I say, "All right, let me write you up a bill of sale." So I write his name, my name, his address, and my address—a local address that I definitely have never lived and never will. 
And the cost of the vehicle, this is a funny little wrinkle, I thought. I said to the guy, hey, I'm going to write on the bill of sale that you only paid $1,000 for this van so you can avoid paying more taxes in California when you go register it. You pay taxes on the sale. He's like, oh, thanks. I didn't think of that. Mm. Using the hood to press on, I signed my name. He signs his. And then he's like, all right, here's the $5,000 cash. So he reaches our hands. So he hands reaches. So he hands reaches into his pocket. <laughs> and when he does, he moves his shirt in such a way that he obviously exposes a gun in his waistband. Oh, oh shit. Business. He pauses. As he's handing me the cash, he smiles and says, Thanks for taking care of my van, Shane. I'm relieved to see you left my heat shielding how it was. There's a lot of value in heat shielding. Some might say it's worth quite a bit. <laughs> he gets this look in his eyes. It's dark. He continues. You seem like a smart guy. Smart guys don't talk about things they find. They might even buy new aluminum tape, but be careless enough to leave the roll in the back seat. My throat turned into a knot like my whole mouth went dry as fuck. He stares into my fucking soul like into me, fam. Then he gets his big ass smile on his face, grabs me by my shoulder and he smiles. If you were even smarter, you would have asked for $10,000. Then he starts laughing. And the guy he's with starts laughing. You know, you're a hustler, Shane. What do you do? I breathe a sigh of relief. I'm just a web developer, bro. <laughs> he says, you could have been a stone cold hustler in another life. I've never been hustled before, but you, you had the cojones to get your money. Cojones. I like that. They hadn't checked to see what was inside the foil. They only knew that it was taped. To, they only knew that I taped it back. So I went with it. Well, you know, I found it when I was working on the van. I just didn't know how I'd ever sell it. So it's been in my freezer for a year now. The heroin. He busts up laughing. <laughs> Me and the gangsters are having a laugh. Hmm. Homie, you kept it in the freezer? That's wild, man. That's wild, I say. <laughs> so then we just sort of chop it up outside the mechanic shop for about 20 minutes just having a nice conversation he and I had the same taste in rap music I wanted to just keep him happy I was trying to think of my exit plan finally he's like alright you know I don't want this van but ship it to me anyways here's 5,000 keep the change to be clear he had given me 5,000 already for the van and then gave me another 5,000 I played it cool close enough to 10k I dapped him up good <laughs> dap <laughs> As soon as they left the parking lot, I sprinted into the mechanic's office where he was sitting, and he was like, son, that was the most obvious drug deal I've ever seen. I've already called the police. What? I felt my heart go from zero to one million. No then the mechanic winks at me, and he's like, I'm fucking with you, man. Oh, what a dick. This is Oregon. Everyone smokes weed. Classic Oregon. <laughs> Calm down. It didn't call the cops. He sees my face, and he's like, you should have seen the look on your face. <laughs> Parentheses. I wasn't amused. <laughs> the problem was the clock was ticking. I didn't know when those dudes were going to open the foil and realize I just hustled them. So I was like, hey, if I give you $200, will you let me keep that van parked here for two days until I can get it shipped? He's like, if it's here longer than two days, I'm going to charge you. If it stays here, it's mine. So I was like, that's fine. I'll be back. I knew at that moment the van was going to belong to him. I was never coming back. Most states have laws for mechanics like that, by the way. Oh, fun little fun oh. fact. I walked out of the mechanic's office and then walked literally seven miles back to my rental, parked at my little motel. Ashland is a small town, and I had picked the cheapest motel. I want to say it was like a Super 8 or something. Yeah. Sounds right. Mm. The road this motel, motel is on is like pretty long and straight. Like You could see a full quarter mile down the road, which is where I live my life by. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. One at a time. No problem. 
As I'm about 400 yards away from the entrance, I see a silver Nissan Altima pull in and go to the front office. As I walk closer, I see two guys get out, and I realize it's the same guys. They haven't seen me, but we're staying at the same fucking motel. So I start speed walking. When I checked in, it took a while, so I knew I needed to hustle so I wasn't seen. I took off the flannel I was wearing so I'd be in a white tank top. I folded the flannel up in super small and walked as fast as someone can walk without looking like a moron. Zito, you know what he's saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My room was on the backside of the motel upstairs. Basically, as soon as I cleared the vision line of the back wall, I went into a full sprint and ran as fast as I could up the stairs and into my room. No sooner than the moment I slammed my door, I went over the drapes and peeked out. The Silver Ultima was driving around. I shit you not, these guys parked two spaces away from my rental car. In their room? Directly below oh, mine. Oh, wow. It's a damn cheap hotel, so I could uh, I could kind of sort of hear them talking. Not word for word, but definitely the vocal tones, plus their TV. When I saw I was qu- <clears throat> when I saw I was quiet as a mouse, I mean. I just sat in bed, didn't turn the TV on, didn't move. And when I had to pee, I held it. I was terrified. And then I heard it. I heard the guy yell, motherfucker, I'm going to kill him. Then I hear them screaming, but it's not clear what they're saying. They yell for like 15 minutes. Then they got quiet. Then my phone rings. It's a block number. I sent it to voicemail. Fuck you button. Rings again. Block number. Send it to voicemail. Fuck you button. Then I hear them yelling a bit more. And then I hear the door downstairs slam. I peek out of the little gap in the drapes and watch them take off. As soon as I saw the car clear the corner, I left. I grabbed my backpack, flew down the stairs, and got into my rental. I was getting the fuck out of Ashland before I got killed. I had been on the road for about an hour when the guy calls me again, this time from his real number, not a block number. I answered, hey, motherfucker, what's up? He's yelling, we got a fucking problem. You need to bring me my money right fucking now. I was did what I do. That's what I did. I was did what I do. Classic. And talk a little shit. Yeah. I take it you're not a big fan of John Grisham novels. (laughs) You should really give him a chance (laughs) before you get angry. The dude flew off the handle like he's just shouting, motherfucker, I'll kill you over and over and over. So finally, I'm like, calm down. Just listen. I think we can make a deal here. So he gets a little less on the edge. What's your deal? He says, I said, look, I know you're staying at the whatever motel it was that we're staying at. We'll meet up there. You show me you've got your gun on the hood of your car so I know I'm safe. He's like, okay, and? And then I said, then I'll take the Pelican brief wrapped in foil and I'll give you what you really want here. A Tom Clancy novel. (laughs) Everyone loves war fiction, man. He got quiet. He didn't say shit. I'll fucking murder you, Shane. You rob me, you fucking die from this. Then he hung up. In 2017, the guy I ripped off for his brick of heroin was found guilty with four other guys of raping and murdering a 13-year-old girl. Oh, oh, they were all prominent MS-13 gang members. He got life without parole in his sentence, so it looks like he won't be killing me anytime soon. <clears throat> and that's the story of the time I bought a van with a brick of heroin in it that belonged to an MS-13 gang member, sold the brick, and then sold him his van back with a wrapped-up John Grisham novel for $10,000. Somehow, I didn't die. And scene. 
Joining us now, the guy that wrote that incredibly long novel about ripping somebody off, Mr. Shane Morris. Thank you. Shane, hey, couple quick questions. Yeah. Uh, incredible story, by the way. Incredible. Happy you survived yeah. through all of it. The couple death situations there. First things first, the MS-13 yeah. are still a gang. Do you have any <laughs> fear at all that you're not... Uh, they are, I was told they broke up. I thought they're like singer left or something. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, are you? do you have any fear at all? Because when I chose to retweet it, I want to let you know, I had some fear for you. I was like, yeah. you know what? I don't know if this is the right move for old Shane. Mm -hmm. So I let it fly. It has taken off since then. You've obviously sold the story at some point. Is there any fear at all in the six foot three, 225 pound Shane Morris's brain that at some point the MS-13 are going to remember that brick of heroin that you duped them with with a fucking Dodge van? I mean, I you know, I think there's always a risk, you know, like <laughs> gang members are going to be gang members, you know, like they, they, they can kill whoever they want. I just, I think that, hey, you know, maybe if there's any uh, MS-13 guys who listen to your podcast, I just want you guys to know that if I do make any kind of money off this, I do know the guy's name and I do hear that uh, putting money in the commissary is like a cool thing to do. I'd like to remain alive. We can do a little barter. You get some Doritos. I stay alive. Seems like a pretty good trade. Please don't kill me. So, yeah, I mean, I thought about it, but, um, yeah, I mean, I just have to assume that, like, uh, 10 years is enough time. You know, it's not like a, I didn't do it to, like, disrespect MS-13. I had no idea this guy was gang-affiliated when I decided to rob him for a brick of heroin. Well, the good thing about that... It wasn't a robbery, you know? Like, I, I accidentally yeah. ended up with his heroin. Like, honestly, this is, like, this should be, like, a cautionary tale for people who are in MS-13 MS to, like, be more responsible with your drugs. Well, the good thing about MS-13 members is they say they're very understanding. So yeah, yeah. They would be very understanding yeah, knowing that you didn't do this on purpose. Time cures all for yeah, 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 I know. I, I hear I hear that they're just some of the most rational gang members. So have good, you, to, good to know that... Have you thought about the moment of when you're in the same motel there in Ashland and they call you and your phone accidentally being on loud instead oh. of vibrating? You know, dude, just... you know what's kind of crazy? Yeah, I actually just talked about this. So I guess it's like a side note, which is kind of a cool announcement. This is a cool segue. So um, I will be a screenwriter for William Morris Endeavor. Now, okay, cool. WME, nice. congratulations. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy, Ryan Feldman, who's now my agent, so I guess I, I have to get used to saying that. Um, yeah, I kind of told him the backstory. And this is just one of those weird things. Usually I have my phone on full loud. For whatever reason, that day I had like accidentally, I think I had it in my pocket and somehow ends up on silent. Um, so like, man, like I thought about that. I was like, or, you know, if you've ever had like your phone on vibrate on a tabletop and it's like even louder than ringing, it's like, you know, like I'm so glad that didn't happen. Because they would have heard me, and um, and then I would have been very dead in a creative way. <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking I irony getting you in the end. Did you ever think that like yeah. maybe after you found the brick of heroin and then got away with the park ranger and then you got away with selling said brick of heroin – that maybe when they called you and asked for that van back, that maybe you should just let it go and not try to roll the dice. And the fact that you thought that there was just going to be some poor little white kid looking for his van back is a wild decision. Like I, <laughs> I would have thought for sure it would have been some 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 characters. Yeah, you know, I, you probably gather this from the thread, but uh, thinking things through has not always been my strong point in life. <laughs> and so, so no, I. 
I was hypnotized. This is going to be the dumbest reason that anybody's ever done anything. At the time, I really wanted to buy a Mazda Miata. And um, so I was like, man, this is cover a town payment on a Miata. I'm just thinking this, and I did end up buying a Miata. So, um, you know, I think uh, – I, I don't think a lot of people would have done the same thing in my situation. In fact, like judging by the replies uh, to the Twitter thread, I think I'm probably one of the few people who's like, yeah, this is a brilliant plan you have. So I'm, I guess – would I have done the same thing today? No, as a married man who's got like other responsibilities in life. No, uh, just put, but mostly because it would have taken way too much effort and time. But uh, you know, I I was just looking at like I, I could sell the same brick twice now. This is genius. Jano, also, also not a great idea buying a Mazda Miata as a six three man. That's true. <laughs> yeah, That's true. Uh, uh, so uh, there's a life hack if you are a taller person. Uh, Corbo Clubman is the seat brand. There's a bracket that lowers you about two and a half inches. You too can fit in a Mazda Miata. Are you a mechanic? Are you, you said you're a web developer there at one point. Are you a mechanic? I'm mechanically inclined. I just think that uh, when I was, I was one of those kids, you know, that would just take apart a lawnmower just to kind Same. of see how it worked and then put it back together. Oh, gear uh, just, just inquisitive. And so when gear I got older, I got into cars. I mean, I always loved working on cars and, you know, I always have some project car I'm tinkering on. So I just think that, you know, for me, it's the challenge it's it's a good hobby you know it, it's it's relatively inexpensive depending upon you know whatever but no i just uh i wouldn't i mean i've done some really cool stuff like full-on engine swaps by myself you know but um i'm not not a mechanic no <laughs> hey shane do you think you cost that park ranger a job once your thread came out <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I mean honestly that guy was so nice i felt so bad for him because i'm thinking like dude he's like there's one person, I don't know how many people get, you know, jetting their carbs in an old van, you know, in the middle of, you know, Mount Jefferson National Forest or whatever it's called. I guarantee you if that park ranger reads this thread, he's going to be like, you've got to be shitting me. I remember you know? that. I remember that. Hell yeah, that, that, that fan was terrible. Has your friend uh, Tyler, who traveled with you, reached out to you since this thread has gone so big? Yes, he is furious. <laughs> How come? Because he's in the photos and he was, he's linked yeah. with heroin now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, you know, this is what I think I tweeted about that. But, you know, millennials get so butthurt when you happen to implicate them in a story involving the world's most violent gang. They just get so upset about it. Do you think that maybe uh, you were the reason that that man went from just selling heroin to putting people in barrels and, and Jesus, don't put that on. Like he, he was just a drug dealer and then he lost his drugs. I, and now I, I hear your question. Some little white um, kid in Ashland, Oregon <laughs> hustled me. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's obviously a really tough question to answer, but, um, you know, I think she probably deserved it. I have been yelled at by a lot of teenagers on the Internet. And I'm just kidding, obviously. Uh, teenage girls are mean. She probably said something terrible. Oh, I have a lot of, now you no, double uh, no, down, I, I, just, I, I think that criminals are just, you know, they're going to do crime. Hey, Shane, how much did you flip that brick for? Great question. I actually, so, okay, um, there's one person who does know. The one thing that I was told by, I did consult with an attorney before coming <laughs> on this podcast. Smart. He said it's imperative that I not name the actual figure that I sold it for um, because uh, some legal reasons that he cited that I don't understand. But basically, it was it was enough money for me to go and uh, buy, like I say, a lightly used late model Honda Accord, somewhere in that mm. price range. We'll just give you a range. Well, because I, I think I saw you put a number out there for how much it's worth on the street. I think I do believe I saw yeah. that, whether it was from your... Oh, yeah, I mean... 
40,000. Yeah, I would say if you, not that I know a whole lot about selling heroin, but I do understand, uh, I'm a Costco shopper, so I understand buying in bulk and how that saves money. <laughs> My guess but, is uh, that even though the statute of limitations has expired on the crime yeah. of selling a brick of heroin, the government can still come after you for taxes. Yes, the IRS. Yes. Yeah, yes, yes the tax I, um, I... So you I sold it for ten dollars. Usually, pay taxes on my drugs. <laughs> I don't. Um, you sold it for a thousand dollars. Government, I'm sorry. Yeah, you sold it for a thousand dollars. Good for you, man. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Three hundred dollars. No. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was enough for me to, you know, have a little bit of money saved up. And you know, if you're smart with it, and uh, you don't go in all. Uh, I'm not going to teach people how to money launder on a podcast, but the trick is to not put it in a bank account. People tend to ask questions about where you got it. Um, so, yeah, just uh, life we, tips. Don't do that. We all watch the Ozarks. Yeah, we, we all know how to launder money. I want to let yeah. you know, I can't thank you enough for the entertainment that you provided. Twitter, I can't wait to see what you do as a screenwriter now. Uh, I'm pumped up, man, for you. Congratulations on becoming literally a celebrity overnight. And I hope it all works out for you in the end. I hope the government doesn't get you. I hope the MS-13 doesn't get you. And I hope you go on to do great things. I appreciate you so much. At I am Shane Morris. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Shane. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I've, I have questions now. Uh, how do you get the number? Wait, wait, wait. Well, it's good. I don't know. <laughs> Can we call him back real quick? Because that's all I want to know. If the other guy's name you just, was on it. Why didn't you ask that question whenever he was here literally taking Q&As? Uh, uh, yeah, I just don't <laughs> What number? How do you get what he number? His oh. number. How did he get? What do you mean? How did he get his number? Because he the, called him when he was in Atlanta, remember? When he initially I know, wanted to buy the, it. His, his, dad, his, dad, friend his, was, dad his friend's name was on the paper. Yeah, but you don't know his number. Yeah, you're right. It that was is a good point. Technically under Tyler's name. So they would have called Tyler first, not him. The, that was the fourth time that I heard it when you just read it. I also had a problem with the seven-mile walk back from yeah, to the hotels too. about two hours, and for some reason they weren't getting back until after he got back to the hotel. Yeah, why Why weren't they going back to California? Why are they staying in Ashland? Great question. Long drive, Southern California. I, I, so. Yeah, you, you We should have asked all these questions. I forgot. It was, I, you need a better person to read it. I thought he bought it from Tyler and put it in his name. What do you need? You mean you what are we talking about? What, what are you talking about? We need to... Yeah, but he didn't go back to the dad to do that. He just gave him the money. What do you mean? What do you mean? You I didn't mean? like him reading it or myself reading it. Pat just yeah, read but it. you got to remember that's not going to be on the show. Oh, this is on the show right now. Yes. Yeah, what we're doing right now is on the show. Yeah. Redacted. <laughs> 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 well, then you also stepped on Evan asking a very good question. Go ahead, Evan. Oh, so now you're going <laughs> to. I thought uh, Shane bought it from Tyler, so then it would have been in his name. I thought, yeah, but yeah. Ty Shane didn't go to Tyler, the original owner, and say, "Hey, I just bought this from Tyler." Unless you could look that up oh, in the, in the see, car records, and since he, uh, oh, that, since the dad at one, a, the dad at one point had the VIN, and we should ask that question. Stuff. So when they make this movie, they're gonna have to disconnect those, you know, dots <laughs> themselves in the story. They're yeah. gonna have to show him giving his number for some reason to the dad, yeah, so that it makes sense. That got and maybe Tyler didn't have a phone. Yeah. yeah, I mean right. it was whatever year. Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, we're right in the movie. Tyler's out of the picture. It's it's Shane buying the van, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. they go. cut Make him out easy. completely. Yeah. I think it is going to be a movie though. It is, or or they just they bought the story so that no one else can have it, and then it'll just sit in development I, hell forever. I think yeah, Miles Teller. Lot, right? Miles Teller is going to be yeah. the actor. I hope not. Mm. Jax, really? who is that? Jax? No. <laughs> oh no, that's uh, Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. Mm. Huh. Charlie Hunnam's too much of a badass. 
Who's Miles Teller? Um, he's in he played he in Vinny Paz. Remember huh? that Vinny Paz movie? No. Footloose? He's the guy from that drum movie that gets yelled at. Yeah, Whiplash. Patrick Swayze? The Awkward Moment. We actually said his name was Miles. Footloose. Swayze's dead. Hmm. Hmm. Kevin Bacon. Zero. Who do you th- who do you think should play him, Ty? Uh, I don't know. He said he said he's six three two hundred. Yeah. yeah, I think you Channing Tatum, nice little sweet spot for him. Oh, that is isn't Taylor it? Kitch. Taylor Kitch is also that's a good one. Taylor Kitch is Jason good for that. Siegel. Are we gonna watch gonna this movie of, when it comes out? I sure. think it's a humor, sure. and he can do dramatic acting. Yeah, maybe. I think I will. Size. Because I the think shot, I think you're you should be an executive producer. I'm dead serious. I, th- I think the shot of the in New Mexico with the horses is gonna make some for some good <laughs> cinematography. Yeah. Yep. The two lane road, the trip, the whole thing. Also, and then the intensity of that deal yeah. uh, with the park ranger is gonna be good. Mm-hmm. And then the intensity with the yeah. two gangbangers at the. Me- Why oh, didn't yeah. they go back to the mechanic shop and kill him? The yeah. mechanic? Yeah, because the mechanic's the only other link because he said it's my buddies. They may buddies. have. Right? Yeah. They have. Yeah, could have. Watch the people movie. that live at the fake address he provided that's locally, what I, they're that's, dead. That's yeah, what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, he <laughs> definitely signed those fuckers. Yeah, yeah. 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 That little sure. But when they make the movie, they're going to have to make it to where they catch him, they have him. They take him out to the dead. I mean, it's going to be a lot more conflict they're going to have It'll to It'll also be that. interesting to see also what the, the tone is. Like whether they play it like a comedy or if it's just like a straight up thriller the entire time. Do you hear what Diggs just said? Slanderous against our guy Shane. He joined our show, dude. Also, what was he doing in uh, <laughs> Miami? For, I wish I would have asked this dummy, Anthony. Um, what he was doing in Miami for like those two days, and in those two days, he got the twenty seven hundred to buy a bike. Like probably bartender, maybe maybe bartender yeah, flipping cash. Yeah, doing something. Make two grand a Can night. Can I cast the park ranger? Diggs, uh, Diggs has been cynical about this guy literally since he read it the first time. I got a, a verify. I mean, very important question. He got out of the house fire. Okay, he got out of the house fire. Yeah, he got the brick with him. Correct. He flipped the brick to Seattle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the phone call comes in. Why is he running back into the burning house? I don't know because he. I guess he wanted a little bit more money because he, he was doing it all for five thousand more yeah, dollars. It's like, but he's good fed. If he made up to, mm-hmm. we don't know. But imagine if he doesn't, we don't have this story. Yep. Yeah. Big thanks to Shane Morris. Good luck with everything too. By the way, good for Shane. Yep. Well, there you have it, Mr. Justin James Watt, a song debut, which is a banger. Yep. Run wild, mm-hmm. run wild. And also a chat with a guy who just sold his story and is becoming a screenwriter, all because of the power of social media and Twitter. There was a lot of people in the room that didn't really believe this guy's story. I was not one of them. I am a big fan of this. I think he's lucky to be alive. Mm -hmm. I think he was wild for going back and trying to get more money out of a situation, but he did it. And I also am happy that he's going to make it. Good for Shane Morris. I hope to hear more from him. I hope to hear more from you as well. Tweet us, hashtag Endgame, hashtag Endgame, and send us whether or not you think Shane Morris' story is going to be one where he ends up dead or alive. Honestly, (laughs) it's kind of a... He took quite a big risk. Oh, and if this movie gets made, uh, he's going to be thrust into the spotlight times a billion. They're going to know where he's at. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm pulling for him. Great story. Cool guy. Great show. I enjoyed the hell out of today. Tweet us. Hashtag Endgame. Hashtag Endgame. If Ty Schmidt likes what you have to say, you'll get some free merch. 
Other than that, thank you so much for fucking with us today. From myself, at Todd McComas, at Diggs with a Z, at Nick Moraldo, at Hey Gorman, at Viva Lazito, at Ty Schmidt, and at Evan Foxy, we can't thank you enough. You're the greatest humans on earth. Cheers. Ty Schmidt, hit the music, bub. Got a little secret She knows I know how to keep it Ain't trying to tell nobody She likes it a little bit naughty She don't mind giving up those kisses But that ain't nobody's business She's down anytime As long as I keep her in the dark With the lights down low Nothing but her high heels Talk about a smoke show She got my number We keep it undercover She only Show.